Uh, man, it is such uh, an honor to be able to deliver God's word to you today, and my clock has already started, so you better grab your Bible, and we better get into this, because I, I have 34 minutes and 51 seconds, 50 seconds, 49 seconds, 40, and we're going to get through this. So go to Jeremiah chapter 32, grab your Bibles, Jeremiah chapter 32, we are going to read a few verses in Scripture and then we're going to pray, and then we're going to chat a little bit. Is that all right? I said, is that all right? All right. You got to talk back to me now. This is going to be a long morning if you don't talk back to me. All right. So Jeremiah chapter 32, we're going to start reading in verse 6. Uh, Jeremiah 32, verse 6. All right, here we go. Jeremiah said, the word of the Lord came to me. Behold, Hanamel, the son of Shalem, your uncle, will come to you and say, Buy my field that is at Anathoth, for the right of redemption by purchase is yours. Then Hanamel, my cousin, came to me in the court of the guard in accordance with the word of the Lord and said to me, Buy my field that is at Anathoth in the land of Benjamin, for the right of possession and redemption is yours. Buy it for yourself." Then I knew that it was that this was the word of the Lord. Verse 9 says, And I bought the field at Anathoth from Hanamel, my cousin, and weighed out the money to him, 17 shekels of silver. I signed the deed, sealed it, got witnesses, and weighed the money on scales. Then I took the sealed deed of purchase containing the terms and conditions in the open copy, and I gave the deed of purchase to Barak, the son of Neriah, son of Messiah, in the presence of Hanamel, my cousin. Can we pause right there and just appreciate all those names? Come on, shout out to baby names this year. Any expectant mothers? I think those are some viable options right there. To Hanamel, my cousin, in the presence of the witnesses who signed the deed of purchase and in the presence of all the Judeans who were sitting in the court of the guard, Verse 13, I charged Barak in their presence, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Take these deeds, both this sealed deed of purchase and this open deed, and put them in an earthenware vessel that they may last for a long time. Somebody say long time. Verse 15 says, For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Houses and fields and vineyards shall again be bought in this land. Come on, can we pray together? God, we love you. Thank you for your word. I pray that you'd speak to us, minister to us. Let us leave here different than we walked in. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Uh, have you ever been stuck? Anybody ever been stuck? I mean, like literally stuck, like probably got your vehicle stuck. Anybody ever got, got your car, your truck stuck? So uh, thinking back over some times that I've been stuck several years ago, you know, my father-in-law, um, he, he runs a, a construction company, and uh, he, he had me take, uh, he drives this big truck, and he's driving this big truck, and it was also pulling a very big trailer, like a huge covered trailer, and he asked me to take it to this job for him. Uh, me and this other guy that was that was with me and asked me to take it to this this job for him. And he asked me, "Have you ever pulled a truck with a trailer like this? Have you ever pulled a trailer like this?" And uh, the answer to that question is no. I've never pulled a trailer. Like but in high school, I cut grass for a little bit at my school, and so I had the, a little trailer that 
that we borrowed that I that could put a little lawnmower on. So I pulled that trailer. I figured it can't be much difference, right? Like 20-foot covered trailer, six-foot, like kind of trailer. I, I don't know. It's not, not much of a difference, right? And so he, he asked, asked me to take it. Uh, take it to this job out in the country, and uh, it had been raining, and it was muddy, and so when, whenever your father-in-law asks you to do something manly, like, you just say, I got it, yeah, of course, you lie and say that you've done it before, and um, that's just what you do, so uh, I'm, I'm kidding, that's not what you do, it's going to get you in trouble like it did me, and I drive this truck, and I make it all the way to the job, and it's going down this long driveway, and it's muddy, and it's gross, and it's all, I mean, it's just a bad situation, and I end up getting the truck and trailer stuck, and so I'm freaking out. If you've ever been in that situation, you're freaking out trying to figure out how am I going to get this thing out, and uh, I unfortunately have to take this walk of shame, like down the driveway, up to the where the real men are uh, at this house, and uh, th- there's these, these just, these uh, men that are putting up brick, these masons, they're, they're incredible. And, and I walk up and just ask, hey, can anybody teach me how to drive? Because I, I got this stuck and I need your help. And so, of course, this, this real man gets like this, tr- this huge chain out of his big truck and he throws it in the back, says, come on, son, let me show you. And we, he pulls me out and I, you know, I'm grateful and appreciative and unload what we need to unload and then go to leave and get stuck again. Come on, somebody. Get stuck again in the same. So I, I again, have to turn around. By that time, they see me coming, and he just says, go, go back, and gets his chain, and loads it up, and, and it, was a, it was a bad experience, experience, but I was stuck. Most recently, I got stuck. Uh, this, this ice storm that came through not too long ago, where, where we live, there's a couple of pretty significant hills that you have to have to go over and to, to, in order to get into our neighborhood. And uh, I, I slid out of our driveway in our, in our car and, and made it out. We had to get milk because um, our, our, we have a one-year-old and he was out of milk. And so we had to go to the store. And so I slide down the driveway, make it out of there, have a mini stroke doing that, and then get out of our neighborhood and actually make it to the store, get back, get over one of the major hills that we've got to get over, and then go to get over the last one. And about halfway up, I'm stuck, like I'm not moving at all, and I, I've got the brakes on, just that's what's keeping me still, and I slowly start to let go, try to get up, and I just start sliding back down the hill towards the, the huge ditch and the stop sign that's right there, and so I am call, I, I, I slam on the brakes, and I'm stuck there, and I'm calling Kayla, she's at the house, and I'm freaking out. Hey, do, you, do you, are you like me, where like the more you get a little freaked out, like the higher your voice gets? So I, I'm calling, I, Kayla, Kayla, I'm stuck, Kayla, 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 I'm stuck, you gotta get me, like, I, I'm freaking out, because I don't wanna wreck our car, and, and so, so she, she actually walks out of the neighborhood, walks up, gets, gets uh, kind of guides me back down the hill, and I just, and slowly sliding and stopping and sliding and stopping until we make it down the hill, and then I, I rev it up and finally get up to the top of the hill and where I'm supposed to stop and let Kayla get in the car, and, and we go home, but I am freaked out, so I leave Kayla, like, I, 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 you're gonna have to walk home, I'm sorry, I gotta focus and get down this hill but have you ever been stuck? You ever, you ever been stuck? I think a lot of times we get stuck in our lives. And you know, the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about purpose. Uh, the last, Pastor Ron got us going, and then Pastor Mike 
uh, last week. We've been talking about purpose and God's plan for your life and God's purposes for your life. And I think a lot of times we can get stuck in this thing called the Christian life. We can get stuck in this thing called life and where we wanna move forward, we wanna take some ground in our life, but we just don't know how. Has anybody like me and ever felt like that? Well, I want us to talk through that a little bit this morning. Can we just do that together? Uh, we, just, we just talk through it, and you talk back to me, and we're going to have fun and, and get through it. But I want to deliver a message called Taking Ground today, because I want you to take some ground in your life. I think the enemy the last couple of years has taken enough from us, and I think it's time that we, we, we decide today Hey, from this day forward, we're taking back, we're gonna take some ground in our life. So I, I, I wanna give you three steps to help you take some ground in your life. And you're probably wondering what in the world does the scripture that we just read have to do with taking ground in your life? I want us to talk about it because when you're reading scripture, context is everything. You, you got to know the context. You got to know that, that, that God is speaking, that there's this meta-narrative in Scripture. God's speaking. People are reacting. God's moving. People are responding. People are doing things. And you got to know that when God is speaking in Scripture and people are doing things, it gives us instructions on how we can, on what God is wanting us to do. And I think that God is just looking for some people that will just do what he says to do. It's really that simple. God's just looking for some people that are willing to do what he tells us to do. And when we do what he tells us to do, he can move our life forward. So Jeremiah, in this scripture, it talks about the court of the guard. At this point in time, Jeremiah's in prison. Jeremiah is in prison, and he's in prison uh, for preaching and prophesying something that the uh, people didn't really want to hear. So in Jeremiah chapter 32, we see that Jeremiah's cousin comes to him in prison. And, and it, he is in prison for telling the king that Babylon is going to come and take over Jerusalem. Okay, just giving you some context here. Babylon's going to come take over Jerusalem, but the king didn't really want to hear that. He didn't really want to hear the bad news that Babylon is going to come and take over. And so instead of heeding the warning, he throws Jeremiah in prison. So Jeremiah's in prison for preaching the word of God to people who didn't want to hear the word of God. And Jeremiah in prison hears from God that he is to buy a field. He's, in, he's told by God that, hey, you're going to buy this field. So Jeremiah's in prison for teaching the word of God. But I want you to see something, that even though he's in prison for teaching the word of God, he's still hearing the word of God. Even when he's stuck, he's still hearing the word of God. Even when he's in a bad situation, a thing that he didn't plan on being in a circumstance he didn't plan on being in, he's still hearing the word of God. And I want to give you the first step in taking ground in your life and moving forward in, in the purpose that God has for you. So the first step, if you've got your note sheets, number one, you've got to strengthen your convictions. You've got to strengthen your convictions. Let me put it to you this way. You have to choose convictions over current events. You've got to choose convictions over current events. You see, Jeremiah was faithful to God's word even when it was not currently convenient to be hearing a word from God. I'm pretty sure that if I was in prison, 
I wouldn't be like thinking about making any land deals. I wouldn't be thinking about any purchases if I'm in prison. If I'm in prison, I'm probably not asking the guards, hey, can I get some time on Zillow and see if there are any you know, potential deals out there that I could take advantage of uh, if I'm in prison. I'm pretty sure the theme of my life if I'm in prison is, oh my God, I'm in prison. Can somebody get me out of prison? I'm not thinking about hearing a word from God. I'm not thinking about making, buying any fields for sure. And, and, and the thing is, is that Jeremiah, although he was thrown into prison, and even though the reality of his situation is that he's incarcerated at the moment, he's still learning and leaning into and listening to the voice of God. And I think that's a lot of times where we mess up. A lot of times when we get stuck and we don't get to move forward in our lives is because we just look at our current situation and we don't, we're not still leaning into and listening to the voice of God. Are you with me still? Okay. So Jeremiah is in prison and he's told that his cousin is gonna come to him and offer him to buy the field. You see, we often find ourselves wanting to take ground in our lives wanting to live out the purposes that God has for us, the plans that God has for us, but we can't get anywhere, and we wonder why. We wonder why we can't just seem to move forward, and, and then we start asking these questions. Well, is there really a plan? Does God really have a purpose for me? I know we've talked about it for the last couple of weeks, but I'm still in the same situation I was in two weeks ago. Is there still really a purpose? And the answer is yes, there is, but Although the answer is yes, our problem is that we don't live intentional lives based on convictions. Instead, we live reactionary lives based on our current events. We don't live intentional lives based on our convictions. We, we live reactionary lives based on current events. Uh, write this down in your notes. Convictions lead to intentional choices. Current events lead to impulsive reactions. Convictions lead to intentional choices. Current events lead to impulsive reactions. So whatever's going on in my life, I'm just reacting to it. And if something negative comes my way, then that's how I respond. I respond negatively. If something else comes my way, that's how I respond. And actually, Scripture tells us about people who were tossed to and fro like waves and the wind. And, and, and just whatever the wind blows you this way, that's the way you go. And whenever the wind blows me this way, that's the way that I go. And Scripture actually tells us you can't even expect to receive anything from God if you're like that. And so James chapter one, verse seven and eight says this, when you are half-hearted and wavering, it leaves you unstable. Anybody ever felt unstable? Can you really expect to receive anything from the Lord when you're in that condition? You can't expect to receive something from God when current events are always dictating which direction you go and what decisions you're making. You can't make decisions in your life based on what's currently happening in your life. People make bad decisions because they experience some good things. That's why people will marry the wrong person because falling in love feels good, right? Because we don't make intentional choices based off convictions. No, we make reactionary choices based on our current events. So people make bad mistakes because when they're making the bad mistake, something good happens and we're addicted to good. So we think that whatever the bad thing is must be good. No, you got to take a step back and you got to live out of intention and conviction and not out of current 
events. You know, it never fails. We, uh, we preach tithing here as a church. We, pre- we preach generosity, and it always, it never fails that somebody will, will decide to start making that choice. I'm going to start giving, and, and they expect God just to, just to start pouring things out in their life, but it never fails that as soon as they do, they lose a job, you know, uh, something, a auto, major automotive repair, and, and, and then we start wondering, well, I thought this thing was supposed to work. I thought this is how, not how this is supposed to go. And, and I feel like God may just be asking you, are, are you gonna live out of a conviction or are you gonna live out of your current events? You see, we have to live out of intention. So I wanna give you five things really quick, and I'm gonna be fast, so you're gonna have to hold on because I've got five convictions that I think well, we need to settle today that are gonna help us move forward in our life. Number one, you've got to settle the conviction about God's word, God's word. You have to get a conviction that God's word is true and everything else is false. That God's word is true and everything else is false. You have to decide that his word doesn't change with our current events because everybody believes the word of God until they wanna move in with their boyfriend or girlfriend And then we start to question that, right? Can we get real this morning? Can we just chat a little bit, okay? You see, it's it's easy for us to believe the word of God, but then when we start trying to rationalize and try to look at our current events and say, well, I I can save money by moving in with her or, or, you know, we can try it out without really making commitments. No, you've got to live out of some convictions in your life and not out of just what you're experiencing in your life. You've got to have a conviction about God's word and you've got to decide God's word is bigger than my current events. The second conviction is prayer. It's prayer. Do you have a conviction about prayer in your life? One way to test your conviction on prayer is to measure your prayer life with your post life. You see, I've heard a lot of people and I've seen a lot of people and talked to a lot of people that think they're gonna change the world with this one Facebook post. This one post is gonna change our government. This one, my family's finally gonna get it with this one post. If I can just get this out there and then hear this, then things are gonna change. No, I tell you what can change your world. That's a a conviction that I'm gonna get in the presence of God. I'm gonna become a person of prayer. Come on, I think we ought to be a people of prayer. I'm talking passionate prayer. I'm talking about warfare prayer. I'm talking about audacious prayer, never giving up prayer. We ought to get a conviction about prayer in our lives. Somebody say prayer. The third conviction is church. Somebody's gotta get a conviction about church attendance. Come on, can we just get practical today? Can we get practical? You need a conviction about church in your life. Hebrews chapter 10 and 24, verse 24 and 25, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. You've gotta get a conviction in your life that whether or not God gets the first part of my week is not based on what's happening in my life. It's based on a conviction that success in my life begins on Sunday. Can I get a better amen? I'm gonna start my week to be found in the house of God. 
You see, we live in a generation now where people only tend to church, you know, every two, every three weeks or so, and we've got to get a conviction that, no, I, I, I want to encourage you to make the decision that gather, the gathering of Christians on Sunday is what was established by God, and it's what's going to sustain us in our life today. You got to get a conviction about church. You got to get a conviction that hobbies don't dictate what happens on Sunday. Come on, can I, can I just get real for a second? Do, do you still love me this morning? Is that okay? Hobbies don't have to dictate what happens on Sunday. My schedule, my calendar doesn't dictate what happens on Sunday. Sports, come on somebody, does not dictate what happens on Sunday. I'm gonna give God the, the first part of my week and the best part of my week because when Sunday happens, success happens in my life and God can start to move my life forward when I live out of intention and conviction and not out of current events. The fourth thing is community. Community. You were not meant to do life alone. And I know that sounds cliche. I know we say it all the time, but it's true. You were not created to do life alone. So if you're wondering, why am I always feeling stuck? Why can I not seem to move forward in God's purpose for my life? And it may be because you don't have a conviction about community in your life. You see, my community helps push me forward. The people in my life, the men in my life, they help move me forward. So if you are stuck, you need to get community. Paul, in his letter to the church in Thessalonica, he said, we didn't just share the good news with you. We didn't just share the gospel with you. He said, no, we shared our lives with you as well. That's why it's so important that you get in a small group. That's why it's so important that you get some convictions in your life that, you know what, I know it may take out of my schedule, I know it may take out of my other plans, but this is a conviction that I have, and if I wanna move my life forward, I need to get in a group, I need to get into some community, some people need to know what's going on in my life, Facebook doesn't need to know what's going on in my life, real community and real people that care about me and love me need to know what's going on in my life. You gotta get some convictions about community. And the fifth thing, the fifth thing is serving. Serving, you've got to get a conviction about serving. You see, getting saved is a personal thing, but you were saved for something corporate. So I think we, I think we fail in the church, and, I, and by the way, I'm talking about big C church, the church in general, we fail to connect this for people. That the path to fulfillment is not you perpetually living out this Christian life on your own that in the end it turns out selfish. Your path to fulfillment is by pouring out yourself in service to others. You were created by God for God to serve God's people. That's it. There is no ifs, ands, or buts. That's how we were created. You were not saved for yourself. You were saved by God so that he could pull his purpose out of you. The scripture tells us that you are God's inheritance in the earth. He saved you for free, but he's calling you by a price to, to sacrifice yourself and to live a life of service to others. And that's why it's important that you need to go through growth track. And it's not just important that you go through growth track. Some of you, you need to go through growth track today. You, you need to settle a conviction in your heart that, you know what, I, I know I made plans, but I'm not going to let schedule or other plans dictate the future that God has for me. I'm going to take a step, and I'm going to join the team. I'm going to start serving God's people. You got to get a conviction about serving 
in your life. You know, Paul had a conviction. Paul had a conviction, and uh, in this time in Scripture, he, he is getting ready to go into Jerusalem, all right? He's getting ready to go to Jerusalem, and when he does, uh, he already knows everybody's prophesied to him. God's already spoke to him. It, he's going to get in trouble when he gets there. He's going to get bound. He's going to be thrown into prison. It's, gonna, it's not going to be good for him. Okay, and he's at this church service, I guess, one time, and, and this guy, this very weird guy is how I read it in Scripture. He, he's very dramatic. Like, he's probably over the drama ministry at church. You know, dramatic people, we love them, we need them, um, but they're, 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 they're dramatic, right? And, and that's how God created them. And this guy, uh, Paul, is, is there, and he says, hey, he doesn't just tell him this. He says, you know, when you go to, when you go to Jerusalem, it's not going to be good for you. And he doesn't just tell him that. No, he takes his belt off. Like, he takes his belt off in the middle of service. I'm pretty, Paul's like, you are a freak. Like, what are you doing right now? How did this guy get into the church, like security, get this guy out of here? He takes his belt off, and then, and then he, he binds Paul's hands together with his belt. And, and he, says, he says, Paul, uh, he, he says, just like I've bound your hands here, that's how you're going to be bound when you go to Jerusalem. And Paul's thinking, like, you could have just said that. You didn't have to do, you didn't have to do all this. But in, in, in Acts chapter 20 and verse 24, I want to give you a life first. Come on, this is tattoo worthy for somebody right here. In, in Acts 22, or Acts 20, verse 24, he says this, but none of these things move me. None of these things move me. Paul had a conviction in his life that, yes, the purpose of God coming out of him, what God had called him to was going to be tough. It was going to be uncomfortable. But none of these things are going to move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself. He had an understanding that he wasn't just saved for himself. He was saved for a purpose. And he says this, so that I may finish my race. And by the way, I'm going to do it with joy because I'm living out of a conviction in my life. I'm living out of intention and none of these other things are gonna move me. So how do I get my life to move forward? The first step is you have to strengthen your convictions. The second step, the second step is this. You gotta buy the field. You gotta buy the field. You see, it's one thing to believe, but it's another thing to act on what you believe. You see, we can sit here all day, and, and I know this, this is kind of a churchy type of message so far. I, like, I get it, like talking about convictions and these five things that you need to settle in your heart. I get it. Uh, but it's one thing for us if we just leave here and just say, you know what? That's what I need to do. I need to settle some convictions. Yep, you're right. I need to believe the word of God. I need to pray. I, I, I need to go to church. I need to serve. I need to be in community. But it's, it, none of it matters if you don't actually take the step to buy the field. You can have a conviction all day long, but if you don't live out of your conviction, then what does it matter? And so Hanamel comes to Jeremiah and asks him to buy a field. Again, con context is, is key here. So Jeremiah had prophesied that the Babylonians were gonna come, they're gonna take over, and then after a long time, a long period, God's people are gonna be raised back up and God's people would be restored. At this time in scripture, when he's saying this, Babylon had already taken over the, the area of Anathoth where this field was. So this field that he's buying is worthless. He might as well be buying land on Mars at this point because it belongs to the Babylonians right now. And here's what I think scripture's trying to tell us. I think Hanamel was actually asking uh, Jeremiah this. He, he, he basically asked, are you going to put your money where your mouth is? 
Come on, are you gonna just talk about believing this thing? Are you gonna just talk about believing God's promises? Are you just gonna talk about believing God's purpose for your life? Or are you gonna actually step up and buy the field? Are you gonna do something about it? You know, I, I have to settle within myself. Just like Jeremiah, he was faced with this decision. Do, I've got a conviction that I, I know God's calling me to something. I know that his word is true. I know that his promises are true. But my current situation is telling me that, ah, this may not be a good idea. I'm in jail. The land is worthless. But he steps up and he buys the field anyway because we have to behave we have to make sure our behavior matches our beliefs. And I'm wondering if Jesus wasn't reading this scripture. I'm wondering if Jesus in his personal devotional time wasn't reading this scroll of Jeremiah at the time when he decided, you know what, I'm, I need to tell these people what the kingdom of God is like. I need to tell them what the kingdom of heaven is like. And I wonder if he wasn't reading Jeremiah at the time in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 44. Watch this when he says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid. And for the joy, that, and for the joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. I want you to notice what didn't happen in this, in this parable. You know, a lot of times we read what did happen and we miss what didn't happen. You know, this man did not say, look at the field and look at the, the issues and look and say, well, there's, you know, there's thorns in that field. There's rocks in that field. There's weeds in that field. He didn't just look at it and look at all the problems in the field and say, you know, what, I'm not going to buy it because of all the problems. No, he looked at it and saw the treasure that was in the middle of the field. So with joy, he gave everything he had. He poured out all of himself to go and buy the field. And I think when we hear a message like this, a lot of times, when we hear a message like this, we will, uh, we will get a little bit looking at it and say, you know, I see all those convictions and those really churchy, and that's kind of, uh, that's going to put me in a tough position sometimes. I think we can look at messages like this and, and look at all of the problems in the field and not look at the treasure in the field. You see, when I'm asking you to take a step of faith and step out and buy the field, you may be looking at it and say, no, there's a lot of problems in the field. You may be looking at it and say, Trey, there's thorns in that field. There's, there, there's briar patch kind of people in that field, and I've been cut in that field, or I've been hurt in that field, and, or, or Trey, there's rocks in that field. There's, there's hard things to deal with. There's things that I'm going to have to move around, and, and I'm going to have to get, you know, rearrange my schedule, and I'm going to have to deal with difficult people people if I'm going to be a part of that field. Or you going to say, Trey, there's weeds in that field. There's, there's people that look one way, but they're really this other way. And, they, and, and there's all these problems in the field. But I want to tell you that I bought the field, not because of the problems. I bought the field because of the treasure that was in the middle of it. And his name is Jesus Christ. He's in the middle of the field. And yes, there's hard things to deal with. Yes, there's, there, there's hard people to deal with. But I promise you, there is a treasure in the middle of this field. There, there's people that, that, that look one way and act another, but there's a treasure in the middle of this field. I'm not too concerned with politics or what, what is happening and current events all around us. I've made a commitment and a decision that I'm going to buy the field because of what is in the middle of the field. And you've got to take a step of faith to buy 
the field. You see, it's not just important to strengthen your convictions. If you wanna move forward in your life, it's not important to just strengthen your convictions and it's not just as important to take a step of faith and buy the field. But you also, number three, you have to live with legacy in mind. You gotta live with legacy in mind because I've said this over and over again this morning, but this thing isn't just about you. And I was reminded of this recently because um, many of you know that you're connected to my family. Uh, My wife's grandmother passed away uh, a few weeks ago and um, this was a woman that lived with legacy in mind. And I was reminded of this actually at her funeral Um, You see, this woman had grown up in a not-too-great situation. She uh, married into a not-too-great situation, and and she she didn't grow up as a believer, but when she found God and gave her life to Jesus, she she started getting these convictions in her life. She started saying, you know, there's it's important that I I lean into the word. It's important that I pour out my life for others. And at the funeral, um, the, the pastor that was preaching, he, he pulled out this piece of paper and he said, you know, 20 years ago, we, uh, as a church, we put a lot of stuff in this time capsule. And uh, it, it was at the end of 2020, that in the beginning of 2021, that was gonna be 20 years uh, of this time capsule, and we're, we opened it up and pulled all these great memories out. And he pulled out this piece of paper that was a message outline. Uh, it was a, a Sunday school class outline. And it was an outline that Kayla's grandmother had taught. And you see, if you knew her story, you would know that uh, her husband was an alcoholic and that her husband uh, would not be very kind is a, the best way to put it, um, but would be out all hours of the night while she's raising kids and then come back and create a big fuss. And But this woman, even in the middle of her situation, her current events that weren't pleasant, she had com- some convictions in her life. And she said, no, I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna be a prayer warrior. I'm gonna pray for my husband. I'm gonna pray for my family. And one day, Uh, God got a hold of her husband and he gave his life to Jesus and it became an incredible story and he would, uh, he helped build that church that that, uh, we were at and and, and it was just, it was an incredible story, a great man of God that he became. But in this, in this time capsule, this letter that she pulled out, it was an outline to, to young women, to young married women. And it was really an outline of Proverbs chapter 31 and the virtuous woman. And in that outline, I mean, the the pastor is just reading the outline. He's not preaching it. He's not talking. He's just literally just reading, just giving some highlights of it and talks about how you can pray for your husband and you you can pray for God to do things even when your current events say otherwise. And you can believe that God's gonna do something powerful on your behalf even when things don't look that way. And she's just kind of writing out her testimony going through Proverbs chapter 31. And it was great and it was powerful. But what what was so good is after the funeral, we're eating uh, in the 
you know, they're, they're kind of fellowship hall. And, and this young girl comes up to Kayla's mom, comes up to Kayla's mom and has no idea who her grandmother was, has ne- never met her, nothing like that. But she was just serving at the funeral. She was a part of the church now and she was just serving at the funeral. And she comes up to her in tears in her eyes and just says, you know, uh, your, your mother, talking to Kayla's mom, your, your mother spoke to me today. Now, when you hear that, you get a little like, hold on, who are you? Uh, are you a little, are you, are you one of those people? I don't, I don't know, like your, your, your mother spoke to me today. No, and then she, she elaborated on her story, said that my, my husband's a, an addict, an alcoholic, and, and things at home have been just absolutely terrible, and I've been ready, I've been ready to give up, but something spoke to me today when reading that outline that, that maybe I could start, instead of praying for my situation to change and praying for me to get out, maybe if I could start praying for my husband, that things might, things might turn around. It wasn't, just, it wasn't this huge thing. It's just this moment that she just said, you know what, that, that ministered to me. And here's what, here's what it, it did for me. It made me realize that my life isn't just about my life. And I wanna ask you a question, because I know I've asked a lot of you this morning, I've asked you to make some convictions and nail some things down. And I've asked you to, you know, take a step of faith by the field, actually start getting involved. Stop just believing it, but start behaving like you believe it. But now I wanna ask you this question. Would you live a life today that outlives you tomorrow? Would you live a life with legacy in mind? Would you say my purpose that God has for me is not just for me, the purpose that God has for me could potentially be for people that come long after I'm gone. And when you make some convictions in your life, and when you start to actually buy the field in your life and start living out these convictions in your life, if you do it with legacy in mind, I'm telling you, it can change your entire perspective on everything that you do. It could change the perspective of your days. It could change the perspective of your service. It could change the perspective of how you raise your kids, how, how you serve in church, how you do community. It could change your perspective on everything in your life. If you start looking at it, it says, no, there's, there's people that are gonna come along after me. And what I do today can affect their tomorrow. So would you bow your heads with me really quick? Just bow your heads, close your eyes. I'm gonna give two opportunities to respond to a message like this. Two opportunities to respond. Um, The first one you see in this passage in in Jeremiah, the reason they come to Jeremiah is because in that day, uh, the family, the closest living relative got what was called the right of first refusal. So when a, a, a property deal was gonna be made, they wanted to give the opportunity to the family member first so that uh, they could keep, they, they wanted to try to keep it in the family, keep land in the family. And, and today I wanna give two responses. So this first one, I'm gonna, res- I'm, I'm gonna ask you to respond. If you are a part of the family of God, I'm gonna address, if, if you don't think that you are, I'm gonna address that in just a second. But if you are a part of the family of God, I wanna give you the right of first refusal. I think there are some things that maybe we talked about this morning, some things in your life that you need to settle in your heart. There's some decisions you need to make, some convictions you need to have in your heart about 
what God is calling you to do and what he wants you to do. And I, I want you to just take a second, take inventory and settle those things right now. Maybe you need to strengthen your conviction on the word of God. Maybe you've been trying to make his word fit your will. Or maybe you haven't been spending much time in it at all. Or maybe you need to strengthen your conviction on prayer and, and, and maybe you need to stop worrying about what's going on in your life so much as you are praying about what's going on in your life. Maybe you're, the area is church attendance and you're here today or maybe you're watching online right now and, and you, you haven't, haven't just really made a conviction that, you know what, this is gonna be the priority in my week. Or maybe it's community. There's a lot of you that are not in a small group. And maybe you have some community in your life, but I, I wanna encourage you that if you don't, make that conviction today. And for so many of us, it's, it's we've been doing this Christian thing, this Christianity thing for a long time now, and we've yet to make it about other people. And it's time to settle a conviction about serving in your heart today. So if you say, Trey, yeah, I've got some areas in my life. I just want you to pray for me that there, there's some areas that I need to strengthen. There's some areas that I need to do a better job of focusing on. You say, Trey, that's, that's me. Would you just lift your hand? I just wanna pray for your hands going up all, all over the place. I see those, you can, you can lower those. I just wanna pray for you really quick right there, right where you are. God, every hand that just went up and those that didn't, God, you know what's going on in their life. You know what current events they're facing. You know what situations they're dealing with in their life. But God, right now, they're, they're making a step. They're taking a step to commit to settle these convictions. And God, I just pray that, that you would be with them, that you would bless them. But Holy Spirit, that you would help guide them and strengthen them to settle those convictions in their heart. And not just settle the conviction, but actually buy the field and take a step to behave like they believe. In Jesus' name, amen. With every head bowed still and every eye closed, I wanna give the second opportunity real quick. I'm gonna take one minute. And you say, Trey, you've been talking to believers today, and I honestly don't know that I am one. I don't know that I am a part of the family of God. And to be honest with you, we can talk about these convictions all day, but there's one thing that if you haven't settled this, you need to settle it. What are you going to do with this man named Jesus? You say, Trey, I, I've, I've been here for a while. Maybe, maybe this is your first time. Maybe, maybe you're new to church. You don't really know what this is all about, but I just want to tell you that you can take a step today to become a part of the family of God. Or maybe you had at one point and you've drifted and you've walked away and it's time to come back home and make a fresh start today. And if that's you, I'm not gonna elaborate a lot. You know who you are. You don't know today that you're a part of God's family. And, and scripture tells us that for every person that believes, they have the right to be called a son or a daughter of God. And I don't know what your family has told you. I, hmm. I don't know what your family has told you you are. I don't know what they've said about you or what you've believed about yourself. But God wants to call you his son. 
God wants to call you his daughter. I think the spirit of adoption is in this room right now. He wants to adopt some people into his family. So if that's you and you say, Trey, I, I don't know and I'm ready, to make that, I'm ready to make that decision, would you just lift your hand right now? I see that hand. Just lift your hand. I see that hand. You can put it, put it down. Would you just say this prayer with me in church family? Would you repeat after me? Just say, dear Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my heart. Whatever you want to do, I'm here. Use me. Forgive me of my sins. Teach me to live for you. I love you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, church family, can we give a big hand to all those that made that decision?